Welcome to the Coach Fury Podcast. This is where fitness and geekdom collide. It's time to live long, be strong, and die mighty. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 43 of the show. I'm not only excited about this episode, I'm excited about the timing of this episode with the guest. Today's guest is James Neidlinger. James and I met when we were both assistant instructors at an Indian club workshop with Dr. Ed Thomas, Brett Jones, and Phil Scarito at Phil's Place, Deviate Fitness in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. And the timing is really nice because we met with at that workshop doing Indian clubs, and James happened to be in town this weekend at Five Points Academy teaching the first Flexible Steel Indian Club's specialty instructor certification in New York. And I got to go and hang out with him. We, we recorded this episode prior, but I got to see him. And James is somebody that's the only the second time I got to hang out with him. Uh, we had a great, really, we were firing each other up on this episode of the show, so I'm excited for you to listen to it. James is a unique character, a straight shooter. Uh, I just look forward to you hearing this. But before you get to hear James and I nerd out on each other, let's talk about some things going on in the land of fury. Selfish time. Hey, Fury Industries, we are at the last week of the Rule June sale over here. So I've got a couple spots left open on online coaching, and there's a discount with the Rule June sale. You're going to save 10%. And folks, that's not a scarcity tactic. You've heard on this podcast, I don't want a big online crew as it currently exists. I like keeping it small so that I can focus on everybody. So I have a couple of spots open for online coaching. Only a couple, because the sale, some people have taken the remaining spots, right? So couple spots there. I've got discounts on small group classes here at Fury Industries in the Gowanus area of Brooklyn, New York, and I have a sale on personal training packages as well. So if you want to train with me, whether you're prepping for a cert, general fitness, an enthusiast, want to get great on uh, ultimate sandbags, kettlebells, work on some kettlebell juggling outside when the weather's nice, Indian clubs, right? The things that I'm into, if you want to look at the Godzilla wall, come and train with me. Right, so head on over to CoachFury.com slash RuleJune up until July 1st to get sale info. After that, just go to CoachFury.com and you can find out all the info on me, including everything on this podcast and any upcoming courses. What's that? Courses, Fury? Yeah, I got courses coming up. Let's talk about these things. Right around the corner, Sunday, July 15th, the HKC Kettlebell Certification returns to MFF Bowery. Come and sign up for that. DVRT Ultimate Sandbag Training Workshop, the first time we're having one of these in South Brooklyn over at Brooklyn Health and Performance. Great shop. Tommy's an awesome dude. I'm very excited for this workshop over there. That's on Sunday, August 12th. This one's close to home, so we'll go out and we'll hang at a local haunt after that one. Original Strength Pressing Reset, Sunday, September 16th, back at MFF Bowery. Then DVRT Level 1 and 2 certifications. Now, some people have been asking me what's the difference between the Level 1 and Level 2. Like, Level 1 is really like a great introduction to how we use the Ultimate Sandbags, not just as an implement, but also as a training methodology and as a system. What makes them special? How do we progress movements? Level 2 is really where we start going into the other plane's emotions, where the uniqueness in terms of what we're capable of doing with the Ultimate Sandbag really shines. So we start getting way more into frontal and transverse plane stuff, um, that's sort of like the super uh, exciting stuff, the fun stuff that drew me into it. So come and check that out. We're returning to uh, MSC Strength in Boston, and that is September 22nd and 23rd. If you've already taken DVRT Level 1, either on its own or as part of DVRT Restoration, you can sign up just for Level 2. If you don't know if you're ready for Level 2, you can sign up just for Level 1. Either way, I'd love to see you there. 
And then after that, RKC Kettlebell Certification of 2019 Momentum Fitness. Thank you for having us, Marco. I'm excited to come out and train there. Uh, Momentum is where my friend's Marco Guanillo, he's the owner. He trains out of there. And Grace Cavallo, who's uh, about to have a baby. We just had her baby shower this weekend. It's awesome. Uh, love you guys. And that's coming March 2nd and 3rd. Come and check that one out. Tokyo, before we get into 2019, RKC sold out, OS almost sold out. We're talking about doing some other stuff out there. Stay tuned for that. Anyway, listeners, thank you for putting up with Fury Time. Ladies and gentlemen, episode 43 of the show. Thank you for listening. Enjoy. My day is done, so... Congrats, congrats. Tier 30, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, man. Dude, I was just, uh, while I was hanging out waiting, I just watched two kids like from like elementary middle school interview Tom Araya from Slayer on YouTube, and now I'm watching, oh, awesome. I'm watching King Diamond and Carrie King ask each other That's questions. Brilliant. <laughs> it's the fucking best. Uh, how awesome. If you've never, like, you know, you forget when you've grown up, I, I think I'm older than you, but probably not by too far, but... You know, how old are you? Uh, forty-five, going on forty-six. Yeah, I'm right behind you, man. All right, so you know, you could, we come up from the generation where if you were into a band, there was like maybe you had a metal magazine, but there was like no internet. Um, so you know, I never really right. got to see, see hear King Diamond talk until you know, and then and then suddenly, decades later, you're like, wait a minute, there's YouTube and podcasts. I'm going in, and he's just such yeah, a totally. nice, soft-spoken guy. So, but yeah. he's. <laughs> talking to Carrie King, like super calm, asking questions, full makeup, <laughs> full outfit. Oh, that's beautiful. It, it's those that's moments rad. where I'm like, how could I not be a metalhead growing up? Right? Dude, Fangoria, man. <sighs> Dude, yeah, you know. You know what's funny? I wasn't really into horror movies as a kid. I got into horror movies actually after I graduated film school. I was always much more in a sci-fi and action films. And I wanted to make Jackie Chan films when I went to film school. That ended up being like my goal. Uh, sure. I, was, I was at NYU right at that peak of uh, Super Cop, was just about to get a U.S. release, John Woo, Killer, oh. Hardboiled, all of that sure. stuff. Super hot and starting to make the New York film circuits. You know, uh, Hard Target hadn't come out yet. You know, John Woo unfortunately had several uh, U.S. misfires. Um, right. But, you know, that time of that Hong Kong explosion, I just tried showing the kids Once Upon a Time in China 2, which is my favorite Jet Li movie. Uh, fortunately, my son totally. was like, not having it, but Sadie was hanging <laughs> out. You know, decades later, Donnie Yen, you know, they all, everybody knows him now. He's Chirrut from Rogue One. Sure. So. Yeah. Uh, hey, before we get into that, because that actually leads us into the first topic I want to discuss, if we're actually really even going to go over topics, this is a, more of a... Uh, yeah, whatever you want to talk about, man. Free-flowing thing. We're already recording. Uh, tell the world your name, because I want to make sure I'm pronouncing your last name correctly, and, and what it is <laughs> that you do. Uh, so I'm James Neidlinger. Uh, the E is silent. Uh, and I'm an awesomeologist. I help people become more awesome than they already are at whatever they do. That's fucking great. Uh, <laughs> I stole it from Jason Wood. I got to give him props, man. Uh, <laughs> awesome. I just thought it was such a great description of what I do as a person. You know, it's, uh, it's true. What, what's interesting about what we do is, you know, 
you're you're well i'm i'm somewhat fully removed from martial arts at this point but you're deep into martial arts you're deep into physical training and physical culture which is where we met which we'll get to in a moment but you know when you get into coaching and you start taking it seriously, you realize it is much more than being like a fitness trainer, like fitness trainer, oh, yeah. not just telling people how to perform a lift and telling them how many reps they're doing. It's, it's right. the whole emotional part of it, the programming part of it. There, there's so many different layers involved in that, that I think an awesomeologist actually is a pretty beautiful way of, of looking at what we do. Even if we don't get to put it all get to put that on our business card. Yeah, totally. And like, the other part is it, it kind of takes into account the idea that there's, uh, like you say, there's more to it than just counting reps, but there's also more to it on the other end. I was talking about this this morning with some of my clients that uh, in getting prepped for the clinic that I'm going to teach this weekend, I'm going through some of the neurology. So like I have a good handle on it. I have a better way of explaining it, constantly trying to narrow it down. So I don't have to say as much. Uh, and, I came across this paragraph in a, a manual that I've got, or textbook, whatever, uh, that's talking about the, the process of motor output <laughs> and what that involves. And it's like motivation is part of it. So why I'm performing the action is a huge piece of whether or not the action will be successful. Yeah. The environment, the context the like there's so much that that's involved in just picking up my phone off the desk and when we start to tunnel down sometimes with our clients uh you probably had this experience you figure out that you know push-ups aren't going to do it man today they need ice cream i need <laughs> to take this guy for a walk do, we need to know, have a talk i have literally had that session i had a woman completely stressed out lovely lovely woman come to mff for a semi-private session turns out she was the only one on my crew that day that hour and we literally went for a walk yeah and you realize you know everybody likes to talk now like let's let's for for years now like the last three or four years breathing is like a big thing and it is super important but everybody totally. still gets caught focusing that on happening breathing in a gym environment and then what's outside the world Oh, where man. we talk about sympathetic, parasympathetic, right? Like what we're trying to get out of it. But we forget that like, you know, that session. Yes, it's in that context. Walk. Yeah, it's, it's simply going for a walk. That's parasympathetic training. That's the best thing we can do for them that day. Oh, and, not only that, but, but man. So uh, I, I was playing around with autonomics with one of my clients this morning. And he's a vascular surgeon. So this guy, is, he's pretty sharp. He knows his body. And he knows his way around anatomy and physiology. And... I throw a pulse ox on one side and it's one reading and I throw a pulse ox on the other side. It's a little different. We're talking about it. I'm like, ah, it's not that big, right? It's like, yeah, it's not the range where I'd be concerned. So we're not really worried about whether or not he's got any like vascular issues. Right. Uh, but then we, we get him on the floor and it changes again. I'm like, Oh, that's weird. And he stands up and it, it skyrockets and then it takes a while to come back down. I'm like, all right, that's, that's like goofy. Right. It's like, yeah, that is goofy. I don't know what that's about. And we play around a little bit and we do some vestibular training and everything evens out where he's recovering much faster. Uh, so he's going from a higher heart rate to a resting heart rate much quicker. Like his recovery time is much quicker and we're not seeing the drastic changes in heart rate and blood pulse oxygen uh, saturation. Uh, or I'm sorry, pulse oxygen saturation, blood oxygen saturation. This is my first beer, I swear. <laughs> anyway, uh, so SpO2, right? Uh, the, the amount of oxygen that he's got flowing through his blood, 
and that is readily available for cells to use for ATP and all the other Krebs cycle stuff and right just a move. Uh, so his balance system being a little bit tweaked meant that him standing up was higher sympathetic tone than him lying down. So just standing up was an act of effort, right? This takes work. It's a lot of fuel. And if that little thing is happening all day outside the gym and we don't address it in the gym, then are we really giving our clients the thing they ask us for? Or are we just adding extra reps to the shit that they already have to do to just make it through their day? If I could reach through this computer and hug you right now, I would. I did an in-service, and, and there's a die mighty workshop in in, in process and in, in progress. Like I'm putting the pieces together for it, and one of the things uh, that sounds fun when you start. I, to, by the way, oh, a small segue. I'm sorry. I love the die mighty thing. Oh, thank you, brother. I love it. It's beautiful. <laughs> Rock. I appreciate that. But part of it is this, right? And this is coming from a guy that, you know, you, you know, we met, we'll get to how we met through Indian clubs, but you know, from a, from a kettlebell background, from a lifting background, from a, you know, hard style where people think, you know, with hard style kettlebells, no matter what group you teach for, people think about the tension more than they think about the relaxation, you know, yeah. everything like pack tension, feed forward. And you start to realize, well, we're training people and to get strong, you need to be able to create some tension. But then Absolutely. there's also like, reflexive strength where like their body starts to do it sort of naturally without me having to cue it. Right. Just sort of external cueing for that stuff. But I think as trainers, we get caught on so focused on like, well, here's your warm up, here's your breathing exercise. And now we're just going to go fucking heavy and ham or even not even ham, but just like really think about tension and not necessarily fluid movement. Right. Which is sure. Like way beautifully into what you do. Um, we're like, you know what, like most of the people coming in, you know, yeah, they might not have like core stability. Right. So we have to work on that to some degree. We have to be able to, you know, people should be able to plank. They should be able to hold the torso position while they're carrying a load like that. I get. So folks don't like start fucking hating on me for this, but you yeah. know what? Most people really come into the gym already really good at feeling fucking stressed. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, and let's yeah. say, you know, you talk about, you know, this guy's, you know, hitting sympathetic tone, standing up. How about the people that actually just get sympathetic tone when they like, I don't measure the same way, but you can tell they get stressed out when they're asked to just lay down because like, wait, like it's just a different environment. Even if you know the coach, you sure. know the gym when you're in session, right? The clock is on people's like daily life carries into that. It's hard for people to shed that. Now this is, you know, for lack of a better phrase, a safe space of strength and safe spaces right. are not meant for like, wimps are to be shunned on a safe space is where you're allowed to fucking be yourself you're allowed to try shit you're allowed yeah. to fail this whole like yeah, no that you're allowed to fail yeah completely whereas it's become this thing about coddling and it's that's not actually it <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> you've never met me <laughs> I guess it's like you know it's like here's the spot where you know what you might have to at your office fucking put on a front of indestructibility you know whether it's right. just decision making right because your salary your team depend on you for that well, when you're in the session, like th that should be the time where like, I'm going to fucking try this thing and it might not happen. And that's great. Yeah. And it's our job to keep them safe and comfortable enough to try it and not hurt themselves. Right. That's part of it. But it I was, uh, that you're, you're talking about this tone thing and parasympathetic response, because, you know, this is a big thing that we, we, we talk about original strength. It's, you know, 
people are, you know, as coaches, you know, and again, this isn't necessarily like a coach style of you and I, but like, there is this whole like marketing thing that's been going on for way too long. Now your workout, you know, is my warm up, no pain, no pain, all of that type of bullshit. And it creates this false expectation of what is going to happen in an hour. And I know that for me, like my classes are not easy. They are very well structured and paced. So people get to do like a lot of work capacity. They get to, you know, it's a pretty well-rounded thing and they get to do more than they thought. But a lot of times in the beginning, they're not getting crushed the way they expect to get crushed. I mean, part of that's my name, but it's also this thing that we put up with kettlebells and fitness and how fucking badass we are. Um, How do you, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Go for it. Are you, would you be more terrified and just absolutely fucking impressed of the person that comes in doesn't even loosen their clothes and rips 400 pounds off the floor, no warm up, and, and puts it down and is like, all right, what's next? Or the person that comes in and like psychs themselves up, puts on the outfit, like does a bunch of stretching stuff and like really works up to it and then finally completes something and then that's it, that's their day. Which one's more impressive? I'm going to go just with, and this, I'm not quite sure what you're fishing for, but I'm going to go with the guy who walks in cold. Right? So the person that walks in cold doesn't change anything about themselves and performs amazing feats. And, and that's, that's like, you know, when we talk about, you know, general physical preparation, that's the goal of that. I also think that hype up thing, you know, sometimes I see these videos of these fucking <laughs> pacing, marching stuff. And I'm like, can you know, like you, like there's an element, like here's the thing, right? We want to talk about stressors and sympathetic. There's a there's there's the ele- element of like heightening our arousal, so we're gonna get this shit done. But there's also the point where we're already starting to deplete ourselves because we're getting so fucking mentally aroused that like, let's well, just lift the shit. <laughs> also, like, who who are you really? Like, <laughs> are you a competitive power lifter? Are you uh, the top ten percent of your field as far as athleticism goes? cool. You may need some extra psychological boost. You may need one of your buddies to shout some stuff in your face and get you ripped up so you can do that, right? But if you're a soccer mom or you're my 85-year-old client that wants to walk better, you you don't need a hype man. (laughs) You stupid don't. It might not be bad to have a hype man, but like I don't leave there with me. I'd want like a legitimate like, yo, that was a good dead bug, Susie. You're crushing that bug. I might want to cross between Flavor Flav and Ric Flair. (laughs) (laughs) Or the dancing guy from the Boss Tones. If I could have the dancing guy from the Boss Tones at every session my life would be so happy. Right? I mean, honestly, most of us don't need to be performing amazing physical feats. We need to just move well and often enough to burn off the stress that we create through our lives so that we can continue to try to be better. And that's the thing, right? It's, it's not about trying to be perfect. It's just trying to be better than you were the last session. Yes! So knowing that, you know, not every session is going to be better. Like that. I try to like, really like, you know, it's not that you have 90 great classes. It's that you have 90 classes that you showed up 90 times. Sure. Um, fucking a, that's awesome. dude. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's a huge thing for me, man. I, my, my biggest message to people when I start working them is 
that there is no need for suffering and success to be synonymous. It's not a requirement. <laughs> There's no need to like leave blood everywhere just to get something. Like that's not how it works, man. Yeah. In I, fact, if you, I stole this from Jeff O'Connor too. I remember him teaching the ADI clinic at CES, way first one, and there was a point where he's like, "Look, this is the gym. This is where you come to get fixed. This is where you come to get better. If you get broken in here, something's wrong. You did something wrong. Somebody failed, and I refuse to be the person that fails. On that end." Not my clients and not for me. I just, no. <laughs> no. Yeah, That's not what they pay me for. It's, it's interesting how, and, and you, you wonder, you know, the trend. So, like, you know, if we come up from the kettlebell background, we've witnessed some trends within kettlebells. We've, sit, we've seen the split of the two groups. And, you know, the phases of things that come up where every now and then suddenly everybody's doing, like, a specific lift and you start to see, like, you know, 30, sure. 30 coaches on social media doing their version of that lift, whether it's, you know, a bent press, a SOTS press, whatever it is. And what was interesting was, is like, you know, I find great value in like barbell lifts, right? Like I, I don't do them at home and I can guarantee you my people are still getting strong because the bottom line is, is like, A, I don't have space or strong enough structural. Uh, sure. you know, I train out of my apartment. Like I'm not pulling 400 pounds on my hardwood floor. Right. Um, but it's hey, also, you know, love you. Uh, people don't necessarily need that to accomplish their daily life tasks. Like, I don't know if you saw, you know, Josh Hill has posted the other day and I've never met Josh, but I, I'd love to actually get him on He's the show. Wicked sharp, man. Yeah. And, and we like a lot of the super like, nice guy too. movies and stuff. So I think it'd be a, a perfect yeah. combination of, of geekdom and fitness dumb. But he, he posted an open question about staggered stance swings he says he's yeah yeah were you on that and he was working on you know he's talking about you know i've been doing staggered steps deadlifts and i haven't tried these swings is any thoughts on it and you know the fucking fascinating thing is is like you know people are like i like them as deadlifts but i think they're too scary to swing somebody wrote like some weird comment about swings are for ballistic muscle action and that would not be it you wouldn't generate enough (laughs) (laughs) my comment was like in a very open way like well what 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 are you talking about you know, requires bilateral ballistic muscle, you know, muscle activation, uh, ballistic Power muscle lifting. activation. <laughs> Power, so for gen pop people now, like staggered stance with what, you know, and, and Henkin got deep on it. Cause he's definitely, in my opinion, he's the first person I saw not only using them on all fronts, but also like we have progressions for him. So it becomes like, there were so many people on this, like, sort of like safety police side of <laughs> Guys, no one's saying like the first thing you do with throw them in a sprinter stance or a staggered stance deadlift or swing but you also don't throw somebody at a double body weight deadlift out the gate right you start with a kettlebell you progress it with load you can progress it into a swing and they 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 perform mastery so if you're simply that concerned that sliding their foot into a sprinter position where if they're going to run chase do tennis any other physical activity including playing with their kids that suddenly there's this heightened risk of jeopardy <laughs> Mind you, the weird thing was is I, guys if somebody's listening to this that wrote these comments don't don't get mad at me please take this as just like this is what i think of this so how is it safer uh, to lift <laughs> in a heavy deadlift right or heavy ish deadlift right so say yeah. you're gonna you're pulling 135 in a stagger how is that safer than doing say 16k swings where you're generating power more power and, and it's that, that locked-in mentality of, it, you know, 
feet on the ground, it's got to be loaded. It's got, you know, like this, this focus on certain aspects where we forget this, like, no, nope, this is actually like physical human activity needs a lot more than say the kettlebell big six. And if you think just so sliding a heel toe, heel elevated position on one foot, is going to fuck somebody up. You got to really think about the benefit of your bilateral training because you're clearly not making them strong enough or bulletproof enough to do quote unquote, I'm doing the hands folks, the functional right. fitness, right? <laughs> But I think like, you know, I'll say, you know, there was like that, that realm of when the, you know, the strong first lifter cert started and, you know, for a long time in kettlebell land, nobody touched barbells or a handful of people, you know, you definitely always had people that did it, but there were so many of us that were like, which was hilarious. Yeah. Suddenly it was like really good barbell stuff, but it was like, suddenly, you know, there was like all of these kettlebell gyms, you know, and this wasn't a diss. Like, I get it. It was a marketing angle for a while. Yeah. And suddenly that, that yeah. cert, I think the good thing about it was it sort of like gave, Pavel gave permission to go and do these things and here's the value in them, right? And sure. I thought that was really cool. But I also think on the flip side of that, because people don't think too much outside of the box, is that it became like, okay, so these three lifts or four lifts make, yeah. <laughs> you know, the full rounded program. We're like, I don't know, does, does Nobody trains a back squat with me, not saying it's a not valuable move, but none of my gen pop people train a back or even athletes train a back squat because the risk is not worth the reward. The only people I teach a back squat to is people that are going to compete. And that happens like never in my life anymore. So, you know, it's just like, it's this, we have to start thinking outside of this. Things got to be heavy. They got to be perfect. They got to be like, you know, a hundred percent one rep max land versus just, you know, eight's a good number of reps. Or, or the other way where it's like, no, don't touch any weights, just do joint mobility and just like play with your eyes. It's, I come from the Z health community as well. Right. So E R I S T and I'm fucking in, like I'm deep son. I love it. I am hitched to their bandwagon. I really, really enjoy it. And I use the stuff every day, but, uh, like I actually touch weights and <laughs> I do stuff that's uncomfortable, you know, like I actually go into stressful things because there's this thing called hormesis <laughs> that people talk about every once in a while, which is hermetic stressors causing change for the better. So, ah, cheers, mate. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. My groceries just showed up. Nice. Uh, dude, if, if anybody's aware, not aware of this, uh, imperfect produce is amazing. It's amazing. Uh, is that a global company? Is that like a national company? Eric, check. Yeah, check this out. I, not to say, sorry to hijack your podcast, dude. This is like fifteen dollars worth of food. Oh shit! Yeah, we got a head of broccoli, cilantro. What do I got? Uh, a couple of bits of zucchini. There's some avocados down there. What do I got here? Ooh, bejeweled dates, strawberries, tomatoes, blueberries. This is like 15 bucks. Damn. I got to look. What is it called? Imperfect Produce? Imperfect Produce. They're nationwide. Uh, they're not in every city yet, but uh, they're working their way around. I'll have to check and that out. I, I have not had a bad box from them yet. They've all been really solid. Nice. So uh, l- let's go back to Z Health. And as sorry. you're all in, I noticed, <laughs> I noticed you're sorry. wearing the shirt too. So. Uh, <laughs> Um, Give the listeners, because I'm going to be honest, I've had, you know, I picked up things from Z Health. It was definitely, uh, it seemed like it was more widely spread when I got introduced to kettlebell training in the RKC. I know like Czar and uh, Andrea Chang 
Um, some of the stuff that uh, John Engum, you know, was using had elements from Z Health. If you had to give like a, a quick description of like what separates Z Health from other modalities, what would that be? Um, kind of what we were talking about earlier. Uh, the 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 idea that uh, my brain is the center of all of the things that are going to happen as far as output goes, right? So if that's true, then I got to pay attention to that system. And if I pay attention to that system, I also have to pay attention to inputs. So if input and output are happening appropriately, I get great performance, right? There's three loops. I get input, right? I take in sensory input, I integrate it and interpret it, and then there's output, if you want to think of it that way. So stuff goes in, I figure out what to do with it, and then I get output, which is either movement or not movement, maybe pain. And I really appreciated that at their base, they addressed the idea that maybe it's not your body. Maybe it's your brain. Maybe, just maybe, the reason why your shoulder hurts when you swing kettlebells isn't because of the kettlebell. And it's not because of your shoulder. Maybe because your balance is so compromised that when you try to throw something up over your head fast, your system goes, no, get closer to the ground as fast as you can because this yeah. is going to hurt. Uh, and then at the same time, their assessment process, right? It wasn't just like toe touch and it wasn't static. It wasn't static. It wasn't uh, something that I could fake, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't uh, train my way out of it because if I did, I fixed the problem. Like I, I couldn't practice the test. If I practice the test, I'm actually doing the thing that helps me get better. Yeah. So for instance, uh, if I'm doing uh, smooth pursuits, right? Eye tracking. So conjugate gaze. I get both eyes to track an object at the same time in space. Like, and I see it clear, right? It's not like I see one finger here and one here. Yeah. They're both here. And both of my eyes follow it at the same time. Can you imagine as a soccer player that if you didn't have that skill completely dialed in, that it would be challenging for you to play soccer? It's cool. It, it, it's <laughs> interesting how it, it's, you know, at, in original strength, we're, we're, you know, the, the importance of the vestibular system and actually providing, you know, that neuro juice, you know, yeah, that input is is huge. And for a lot of it, and it's 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 something that's completely, you know, we were talking about parasympathetic, sympathetic. There's a lot of trainers that have learned those words, but not necessarily sure. like how does all of this actually affect everything in terms of movement compensations and coordination and posture and all that. Oh. Stuff. The posture thing drives me batty. Posture is not. Posture is not something we get to control. It's reflexive. Yep. The vestibular, the vestibular spinal tract takes care of that for me. There's a writing reflex, and it's called a reflex. It's not the writing skill. It's a reflex, so it's reflexive, which means I have no control over it. Yeah, it, it's, and, pretty, it's, it's an important aspect that's often lost because we, we are so easy <laughs> as coaches. And guys, like I, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm not a know-it-all. Like This is like things no, that no, 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 no. I, these are things that I've learned, you know, in my yeah. years of training. Time out, caveat, I'm dumb as shit. 
Yeah, <laughs> smarter than I. Like, we're, let's I read say- books, and then I connect some dots, but I listen to people who are way smarter than me, and then I test what they say exactly. and make sure it's true. And then if so, then I implement it. But, but I, um, you know, I, I think we get so focused on postural stuff in terms of lifting positions, and we think yeah. that by getting stronger in a lifting position, somehow that's going to have a carryover into another. Now, clearly, if you have, you know, one side of, you know, if your posterior chain is super tight and your anterior is not holding up the slack, you're going to have a posture issue. We need to work out that imbalance. But for the most part, it's also like you can't stay in a posture consciously. Like that is no way I'd want to fucking live. Right. Thinking like, is my pelvis neutral as I walk to go get? <laughs> right. Dude, so that's. I remember is- a point when that was a thing when we were all supposed to walk around with neutral pelvis all the time. I, I don't know if we're that like if everyone's aware of that or if this is where you and I are and like our peers in our. <laughs> because guys, like I know as a newer trainer, like I don't know if we. I think- <laughs> I'll say this. I think one of the good things it now is because because you know you you mentioned being dumb as shit like. When I came into this, it was my second career. And it's funny, like, you know, just three days ago or two days ago, I passed my first HKC. And so I had trained one person at the time of that. And I had done one get up per side at the time I took my HKC. So before my HKC. So, you know, I didn't know a lot and I didn't know how that applied to people. I didn't really know how to coach people. But, you know, the initial thing we learn as new trainers is like how to get better at getting people into those positions and hopefully we get a sense of why that's making them strong, right? Like why is it get up good other than we know it's one of the big six? Why are swings great other than it gets our heart rate up? Sure. But that other stuff, <laughs> that other stuff we don't pick up right away. And, you know, now I think there's more information for people to reach that. But I, I think a lot of people are still sort of stuck in that, that realm of like, well, you know, this is a lifting posture and we're in the sweet spot of it. And, you know, that's just going to make you move better outside. But it's really is like the stuff you were talking about with Z health, the, the, you know, the head nods and head control vestibular stuff we do in OS, you know, the elements of rolling around on the floor from an FMS perspective or an OS perspective, you know, like there's crossover and all of these things that fill in those blanks. Dude. Also the thing you said earlier, take it outside. Yeah. We don't live in the gym. We, we, we don't live in the shit. I mean, I do, kind of. You might. <laughs> no, we, we're, you know, that's what we do. Um, if, you're not, if you're not us, you don't live in the gym, which means you have to exist outside of it. And your life isn't going to consist of constant lifting, running, climbing, jumping, crawling, like gym movement stuff. So, again, what O'Connor said I thought was really, really salient was that this is where we come to get better at what we do out there. Yeah. We get better at life. I get better at carrying my groceries to my car. I get better at being an athlete, but yeah. And like, I don't care how you address it. I don't care. I've got manuals that I can reference from 1805 that look exactly as though they came out of pick the mobility system. (laughs) Right. It's, it's finding out and filtering through application, right? This is a common theme on the, on the podcast with several guests of also like, you know, in, in this, there's a million courses to take right now. Like how do you fucking actually apply everything you're learning versus take something and then invest in your own application and then see how it fits with the people you're training. Right. Cause that's how your, right. that's how your philosophy, your, your programming methodology evolves. So when I talk about like a die mighty workshop, like clearly, 
the, the big things with me would be hard style kettlebell training, you know, all original strength, DVRT, Indian clubs, which we have to definitely talk about in a little bit, like those, <laughs> those commonalities. But I have to be honest more and more, like I want people to, I want to have that dude that can, or a woman that can move a little more gracefully than they could with me versus just having a heavy ass get up or a heavy ass swing. I want to sure. have more grace and more balance at the end of it. Because that's the shit that stops you when you slip and fall. Like, we got caught up in yeah. armor building. We got caught up in armor building. Like, yeah, put on muscle and you fall. It's harder to hurt. You know, you're, you're protected. But it's also like, how about actually being graceful enough to correct yourself or to fall better? Um, <laughs> and you talk about going outside. Like, I've been, you know, I will openly admit, folks, and, I, you know, uh, I've talked to some friends about this. I haven't talked about it on the podcast. I don't know yet. But, like... I don't think I've like, I've had good workouts over the last few years, but training became very unfun for me. I think as part of it becoming my profession, as part of this drive of like, oh man, I'm in the middle of a lift now. This would make a good video. Let's shoot something to make like distractions. And finally, now that, you know, Fury Industries is sort of, uh, you know, we still need to grow, but you know, the class program and all that stuff is, is in a good spot. Like I feel like I fucking love training. And, and a couple of the things I do now is I take a 16 to 20 K bell and I go walk a half mile with it. One bell, sure. which positions is needed. I try to stay relatively symmetrical suitcase offset, rack, walk, switch sides, whatever. And yeah. I pick up my kettlebell juggling again, because not only am I getting a shitload of super fun output, I'm getting all that hand eye coordination. I'm 45, going 46. You know what? I'm going to need more than like muscle mass, right. max deadlift. I'm going to need hand-eye coordination. I'm going, to, I'm going to need what that facilitates all my movement patterns as I get older versus just like randomly get stronger for the sake of getting stronger, you know? Yeah. No, I, I've been playing around with BFR and I'm leaning more and more towards blood flow restriction the majority of the time and then small bouts of testing with big lifts. And I'm not going for size. A lot of people use BFR for size. My friend Matt I'm actually was playing around with that for a little bit to put on mass. Yeah, and you can blow up quick, man. Uh, when I was in San Diego, uh, outside of the tacos and whiskey, like, I, I blew up, man. I put a half inch on each bicep and an inch on each thigh in less than two months. Oh, shit. Right? Like, I was walking my dog, and my thighs were rubbing together and I thought, well, that's new. <laughs> that's something that I've never experienced before. I've never I had this happen again. <laughs> yeah. Like, Oh shit. I got to like start thinking about that stuff that you put on your thighs when you walk around. Cause my legs are getting big. And I was doing like three workouts a week. So it started clicking in my head. Like, Oh, there's, there's other stuff I can do. But it also clicked having conversations with people about it, that you can get too damn big too fast. <laughs> so you can overload the frame and start causing orthopedic problems. Yeah. And I'm starting to target little tiny things in the system that are the supportive muscles, not the big movers. Cause the big movers I've got, I feel like I'm pretty good. Uh, I got a 300 plus pound deadlift at 160 pounds and I'm 44 years old. Awesome. I'm all right. I don't, yeah. I don't need to, I'm not saying that's awesome. It's not. It's, but, but it's double body weight. I feel that's not double body think, weight. Like what, what would be the benefit, you know, like uh, uh, diminishing. I need to add 20 pounds. 
the diminishing <laughs> diminishing returns, right? Like at a certain yeah. point when you start going beyond that, the diminishing return versus potential risk certainly goes. What's the uh, three, two, one, three from the back, two from the floor, and one overhead? Oh, I think so. I haven't heard that in a while, but yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, isn't that the old Ripito uh, mm. starting strength? I think so. Classic. Man, it's like, been a long classic. time since I heard that. I mean, I'm a, I'm like, uh, I haven't done, I haven't really deadlifted specifically. Like, I'm, I'm much more, again, I'm training mostly from home. And I'm with you in the sense that I, I got caught up in easy strength land and reps and intervals. And right now I'm actually pushing myself with like longer duration stuff. Right. So like when I'm, when I'm doing practicing my kettlebell juggling, as much as I suck at it, like I know I'm getting a lot of fucking reps in, even though the yeah. bells are tight, like, you know, I'm using two twelves for a lot of it. So it's still 24 K swings. I don't know how I couldn't count how many times I'm swinging a kettlebell. <laughs> I'm just, trying to, just trying to land the trick, right. It's skateboarding. me. I'm trying to land this trick. Yeah. I'm going to yes. do it until I'm done, you know? And so like, I can't do it anymore. Um, you know, things like working get-ups with a lighter weight, but going for like, I'm going to go for three to five minutes on one side without. So I'm like literally in that arm, you know, you know, vertical, vertical arm shoulder, for extended period of time. So yeah. I just know like that's the type of endurance type stuff that's going to knit me up a little bit differently. Again, good form, you know, like I, the form's not a sure. problem. I'll stop if it starts to fail, but versus like, okay, I know if I'm, if I'm doing that with like a 22 K, I know I could do a 40 K get up, but I could do that like one per side and alternate versus like, you know, hanging out for minutes, you know, six, seven reps on one side, nice, slow and controlled. It's, uh, it's, it's really funny. I don't think people understand the different until they start playing with endurance. I don't think people understand that endurance is different across everything you do. The difference between the endurance of the grocery grocery store and the endurance on deadlifts and the endurance on the rower versus kettlebells versus overhead press, like, and this goes back to the neurological stuff. Uh, the, the systems that support that, have to be dialed in and if they're not i'm going to have different effects uh they're either wearing the metab metabo reflex no metabo reflex uh basically there's a reflex that when we start running out of uh fuel for our muscles we start running out of air but not really like uh we start running out of the fuel to keep the muscles pumping so that we can get respiration. So when that starts to slow down, our brain throttles us down. So our cardiovascular respiration is tied to this. So maybe I need to train these muscles specifically for that, right? Yeah. And the only way to do that is to work all of those muscles for inspiration and expiration. Uh, not expiring, but we'll call it respiration altogether. Uh, so if I don't pay attention to that, I might, I might think that I've got amazing endurance for cross-country running. And then as soon as I have to start hauling buckets for the fire brigade, I have zero endurance for that because I never do it. Uh, I've had people come in that tell me they've got amazing cardio and I put them on the rower and they go, they just collapse. But I can watch them run for hours and hours and hours. They're good at that. They're not good yeah. at this other thing. You know, from deadlifting heavy, if you've ever done it, that takes some cardiovascular endurance. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it's interesting. 
on, on this point, so, you know, one of the things and one of the reasons why I've, I've altered my training to go a little bit more high volume and, a, you know, just longer, you know, uh, and I don't mean longer sessions, like I'll just stick with one thing for a longer period of time, higher reps, because, you know, I went through this thyroid thing. I'm still going through a thyroid thing. I have Graves disease now. So I was running oh, wow. to the point last year where I had tremors, um, went on and lost a shitload of weight because my metabolism was like, man, like I could eat and like ice cream and it was firing off of me so now i'm like literally probably I'm, I'm almost as heavy as i was before i started training but i'm obviously much stronger than i before i started training. Sure. metabolism dropped down but it, one of the things that as i was gauging my progress since it was tremors were the biggest thing that freaked me out was i lost yeah. all my strength during that point so i gauged everything off my press Oh, so I can have a steady, you know, I went from a 20K press again to like a 24 to a 28. Oh, I could press a 44 again, right? But, mm. you know, I was doing like, you know, five singles, three sets of three. I wasn't pushing my conditioning. So suddenly it was like I started prepping for some stuff and I'm like, fuck, my conditioning shot. Like I got to start worrying about this maximal load and I got to start yeah. on these other facilities, right? And, and it's funny because you know you wrote this thing about you know no uh on facebook about no orthopedist suggests running you know running after 40 <laughs> but, but i literally had this moment where i started running and i don't do it as much <laughs> but i had started running uh you know my goal was to get to you know basically like three miles two to three times a week and my reasoning behind it was because right now if there was an emergency so you know i've joined custody with my kids and my 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 ex-wife, their mom lives about a mile away. So my thing was just purely from a strength standpoint, if I can't fucking run in an emergency to go get my kids, why am I lifting yeah. at all? Yeah, and, if you can't sprint 12 blocks. Yeah, you, you know, blocks. like you, you really got to think about like what you're training for. And we, you know, again, if you're competing, that's great. So now I'm at the point where, you know, and I, again, I, I had to back off the snatches. I had to watch my intensity for a long time because they would, the tremors would start to come back. Like my nervous system's a little bit fragile right now with that. But right. these things that I'm currently doing, like, you know, I can feel it too. All this hand eye stuff, all the carries, like my posture's great. Like, I mean, for me, you know, again, it's all, sure. it's all relative folks. My, yeah, yeah. Contextual <laughs> the individual. A lot of accidents. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, and, and, but I think that gets lost too. Like, what are you actually training for? Like, we can talk about getting tactical and shit, you know, and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, how, many first, that. how many of us are first responders, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, versus like, can yeah. you get to your kid's school if there was an emergency? You know, God forbid. Let me, let me ask Please. you this. What's more important, being able to do a tactical pull-up or put on a tourniquet? Put on a tourniquet. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> Like, before I start dialing in my super ninja skills, maybe I should work on some first aid. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe I should work on being able to carry somebody. Yeah. That might maybe. help. It's, it's sort of crazy, and I got to admit, that's the one, one of the elements that I miss – from martial arts training with myself is I don't feel like I have like, again, I, you know, Muay Thai is great for striking and to a degree self-defense, man. I don't see it necessarily. Uh, you know, uh, we have to talk about this. I didn't realize until I was re reading your credits, cause I have trained very little bit in Pekiti Terja Kali, which in my oh, opinion, fun. if we want to talk about self-defense, probably the best thing for practical useful. <laughs> it's extremely useful. So we have very, <laughs> I don't know if you know Barry Danielian. He was like uh, an earlier guest on the podcast. He was, he's a guru yeah. on it. 
Um, and you know, I, I, I sometimes think about those elements of just me being physically prepared to defend myself, defend my wife, you know, defend the kids, uh, yeah. but also having, letting them have those skills. And, you know, martial arts has turned to a lot of people. It turned into like cardio kickboxing, which is great. If you're having fun working out, like work out, yeah. like, maybe, no, I'm not really shit on hobbyists, man. maybe learn how to really punch and kick in the process. You know, we're hitting a bag I, for the sake of heart rate. I just had a conversation with, uh, with a, a really good friend and a senior uh, in my organization. And we were talking about how the, the people that we kind of learned from and that we, we grew up with, as it were, in the arts, were a different breed. Uh, and there was always this understanding that you might have to lay hands on somebody or somebody might lay hands on you. And then you're actually going to have to do this. So there's martial arts, and then there's martial science. Yeah. And I always thought of Pekiti as something that fit into that martial science aspect, right? Most of Pekiti is, it's tie fighting in a phone booth with a knife, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's a fucking great way to describe it. <laughs> it's horrific, right? It's just terrifying. It's super close, it's super fast, and it hurts a lot. And like the, the, the understanding that that's the reality of it is far removed from the, uh, the study of movement or the cultural appreciation or just play. Man, I love getting up and playing kung fu. Yeah. <laughs> I like to get together with my kung fu friends and do kung fu shit. And that's all I really want to do, right? But I also understand that most of what I teach and what I practice as a martial artist, it's art. It's paint on a canvas. It has nothing to do with actual violence. Yeah. But it does build some of the things we're, we're also talking about, those uh, balance, coordination, uh, visual acuity, right? Hand-eye coordination, foot-eye coordinate, whatever. Uh, being able to actually use your body in the way that you want to use it, when you want to use it, without pain or injury, seems like something that I would want. And I, I fully agree with that. And, and I also think, you know, uh, there, there's something to be said. Uh, you know, I know it would be a shock for me to go back into a class right now, but that adaptation, it's just like falling on a skateboard. The adaptation of the first few falls, or it's always like, holy shit, that sucked. And then you kind of right. do it again. But, you know, I think it's good for people to get used to being hit in a sort good. of old environment because it takes a lot of the fear out. As long as you don't have like the bullshit posturing, like there's that, you know, I feel, I feel, it, it, it feels like the UFC effect of the affliction. Yeah tap-out vibe is over right now, and people are back to, like, respecting it in a non-thuggy, fratty way. But, you know, I think there's <laughs> about, like, all right, so I've been punched in the face a bunch, or I've had a bloody nose, you know? Um, yeah. You know, I've had a bruised rib. You know, like, those things, they, they suck, but, like, you know, you get, you get through it, and you move on, and the next time it happens, it's not as scary. You're not as flinchy. And there's a lesson to learn, just like lifting a heavy weight for the first time, that like, oh, I fucking did that. And you know what? I'm still all right. You know, my, my, so my first martial arts instructor was, uh, my main martial arts instructor was Guru Rick Bay, Minnesota Kali Group. Awesome, right? He was building this incredible community at the time. And through him, I met my main instructor, Guru Michael Melia. And something that he, uh, he used to talk about that I, I stole it 
immediately because I thought it was the best description. And I've carried it over into fitness. He told us that he wasn't going to teach us how to, uh, how to get from point A to point B regarding punching people, right? It's not an A to B thing. I'm going to give you a compass and a map, and I'm going to teach you how to navigate. I'm going to teach you how to shoot an azimuth. I'm going to teach you how to find your location on this map and then move from there under your will and power to another point without obstruction. And I just thought that was a really useful way of thinking about it, that, that uh, rather than teaching people how to fight, I taught, taught them how to navigate that environment. And then they could make their own decisions. They could make their own choices, and they could make their own map. They didn't have to rely on mine, because mine is kind of goofy, right? Uh, I, I don't know what your history is, but my background is a little weird. It, uh, mostly mellow, but like when I was younger, it was kind of funky. And uh, I saw a lot of weird, bad stuff, and I was affected by it, right? And later on in life, I super didn't want other people to be affected by that in the way that I was. And I felt like martial arts was a way to help with that, that I could mm -hmm. take away what you're talking about, that fear, yeah. uh, the, the thing that makes somebody not say, hey, you know what? No, that's not how I want it. I want it this way. Please make it that way. Or to tell their boss, no, I'm not coming in on the weekend. I'm not going to work overtime. I have a family. I'm not going to be intimidated into that. Or to mm -hmm. just have the courage to say the thing that they feel and be willing to just put their hands up and go for it. It's you know? so important because, you know – <laughs> You know, I, I How know. How freeing I, is it? It's free. I, I, I see free. this all the time too. You know, and look, I, my nickname is there for a reason. I have a short temper. I, I thank, thank <laughs> you for all the personal development stuff. You know that that really kickstarted a real change in in who I am and how I process. And you know, I used to just be like, yeah, I have a fucking temper and fine. And you know, I always used to joke that it's like, yeah, I'm not proud of it, but one day it'll kill me. And then one day somebody actually threatened to shoot me in front of my kids. Right? Like that's a true story. Sure. And, uh, you know, even that I was trying to restrain it, but like, you know, when martial arts, like, again, we all learn, like the thing you're supposed to do is try to get the fuck out. Right. That's the first, <laughs> but you know, I, I, you know, in, in, in Brooklyn right now, you know, there's a, you know, and I'm sure this is in other neighborhoods. There's like a lot of like, you know, uh, entitlement going on, uh, where people like to like mouth off as if they're ready to handle a situation as if you called them on it. Right. Sure. And yeah. you know, I think a martial arts training allows you to a realize that that's fucking not a good idea because <laughs> uh, it's not proving anything because you never know who the smallest dude might be a black belt and something and crush your soul. Um, right. But also that old know, man might just whip out a razor. Yeah. You know, you never know what you're, you're, what you're getting into, but it's also, you know, those people that like to mouth off like that usually have not been in the situation where they've had been clocked and it's just a matter of time. And it's almost unfortunate. Like you would hope that it probably would have been good for them to get their ass kicked in high school once. Sure. I'm not saying folks go beat up kids in high school, but like, no, if, if you run, I think everybody mouth, should get punched in the face. If you run your mouth unchecked or if you get bullied and never stand up, there's a light there. Part of that is going to trail with you for the rest of your life. And I know, you know, <laughs> it's oh, funny. When yeah. I, no, I was bullied as a kid. 
I, you know, it's funny. I couldn't say, like, I was bullied. You know, it's funny. It never struck me as bullying. You know, I had incidences where, like, you know, like, they'll be around where one month you're the asshole kid. And I had that. <laughs> I had a couple of people try to, like, you know, put themselves up by being on me. And I'm lucky that, like, I have this fury thing, you know, where I would emotionally snap and be like, fuck it, whatever's happening, happened. And I'd stand up for myself. And, and you know, I remember one point, you know, fucking dude, <laughs> I'm not going to name him because somebody might be listening to this. but this dude and you know he had an older brother and he liked to live off his older brother's props and like that you know he jumped me once got yeah. me in a headlock like from behind and i was like all right i don't know what the fuck i'm gonna do here and then one day i just had enough and like i started fucking getting ready to rail on him and man he couldn't have been more apologetic when he realized he wasn't get out <laughs> you know like it was just you know that happens like when your friends talk shit and you call them yeah. on it you know <laughs> You know, I got, you know, suspended for certain things, but I wasn't like a violent kid. I was like, I'm not going to lie. Like if I look back on it now, I had like a lot of great friends. I'm very fortunate for, I don't know. I think I appreciated them, but I still think I felt like absurdly alone when I clearly, and I think that's part of the only child part of part part of like, you know, the household was uh, uh, not always a happy spot. You know, my parents and I, we get along wonderfully now, but there was definitely like things going on and you know, I wish I could have embraced that I had not just one set of friends. I had like my heavy metal, you know, punk rock friends, but then I also had my skateboarding crew. Like I actually like, but I still felt so fucking alone. And I, I just think, Dude. If you don't stand up at that point. You're going to go through your life a lot until you're forced to stand up. And I don't know if after high school or college, people step up to that. I really don't. And, and, and that's a hard part. And I think the interesting, I don't want to turn this on a political slide, but I think right now what's going on with politics is people are really, really fucking stepping up for what might be the first time in their lives. And certainly groups of people that are marginalized that have been having to step up their entire lives. Like I have a, you know, uh, I'm very <laughs> grateful. I'm a big, uh, you know, the gay population is really near and dear to me. I have tons of friends, tons of clients, tons of trainees. And, you know, when all of this stuff started going down and all this wait and see, it's like, oh, no, these guys have been fighting for fucking decades. And right. yeah. you know, they, they're going to keep fighting. Um, but then there's other people that like sat idly by who are now like shit, you know, like we're just, oh, oh, they're separating families. Like, I don't believe in immigrant, you know, I, I don't want to let other people in, but they certainly shouldn't, you know, separate the families. Well, guys, like you can't have it fucking all ways, right? Um, yeah, no, you can't, you can't deny people's humanity, man. You lose your own. Yeah, so I, I think it's interesting now <laughs> that some people that might not have ever had that empowerment felt that moment to rise are truly rising up. And maybe that's why we're heading to Return of the Jedi while we're currently living in Empire Strikes Back. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I used to think that it was optimistic, but now we've all seen The Last Jedi, and you know who the fuck knows yeah. what happens later down the line. I went on yeah. a rant. I don't know what the fuck I'm even talking about. No, no, you know, there's something there, though, this, this goes back to what we were talking about with martial arts. Like, I think the gym's also a place for that to happen. Uh, one, of the, one of my favorite things is watching people realize exactly what their potential is. Like, when you see, you see it happen, you see it in their eyes when they're like, oh, shit, I am capable of something. I got and goosebumps that, as you're saying right now. It fucking sparks, right? Freak. It starts rolling. It's like a goddamn snowball that gets bigger. And, and, uh, actually, have you seen Zombieland? Or not Zombieland, uh, fucking, uh, what's the one on Netflix? Uh, ah, they got a zombie car- cheese wheel. Is it They car- got a zombie cheese wheel. No, it's, uh, it's totally cheesy. Uh, 
there's a scene where the like there's a cheese wheel that busts loose in Wisconsin, and it rolls over a bunch of Zeds and picks them up and starts traveling across the country, picking up more zombies as it I goes. I don't know what this is, but I need to know. So uh, I'll put the trail. Nation, or, or I'll send you a link for it later, please, man. It's please, hilarious. Please. It's an amazing show. Uh, it starts out kind of serious, and then they, they're like, fuck it, we can't take ourselves seriously. Go with it. <laughs> <laughs> so it goes amazing. But it's that, it's that moment where they snowball. You can see that the, the wheels start turning like, what else am I capable of? Maybe I can do this thing without pain. Maybe my shoulder can work again. Maybe I can pick that thing up. Maybe I can fucking run that marathon that I will. Maybe I can do this thing that I fucking want to do because this thing that I just did made it okay for me to do it. This is like, where the awesome, if we go all the way back to the beginning of the awesome. Awesomeology, right. This, right, is, right. this is the change, folks. This is why I get goosebumps of it. You know, people look at trainers and I, I'm comfortable being called a trainer. Uh, a <laughs> you know, people get hung up sometimes on titles. But the, the bottom line is this. I'm not teaching you to deadlift because you need a deadlift. I'm not teaching you to <laughs> because you need a squat. I mean, you should have the capability of performing those movements. But what I'm really trying to do is like, literally open your eyes to a greater set of human potential than you thought you had. And right? someone does do a body weight, a one and a half body weight deadlift, their first pull up, you know, their first full get up when they never thought they'd be able to do it. It is fucking magical. And I or say the person that, that hates the gym and you look over and they're giggling like a child. And I say that as somebody, <laughs> you know, I, I'll never be the strongest dude in any room. I'll never be the smartest dude, but I'm going to say this as, as before I was a coach, before I had the nickname, my nickname was bald fury before I had a coach for you. So I was bald fury, the sell for kettlebell training and Indian clubs and ultimate sandbags for me prior to our original strength was the fact that on my PCL surgically cadaver tendon left knee, I was able to do a, a you know, a 97 pound pistol squat, which I never Damn. thought I'd have the mobility dude, even at a kid. Right. And Respect. that I could press a beast on my surgically repaired right shoulder. Right. Fine. Cause I, I never thought that shit was possible before I got hurt. <laughs> I never, my, you know, in my late thirties, like, you know, like yeah. I did the training in, 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 in 2010, you know, like I was already, let, like let me ask you something. What kind of a shit show is it that, we have this biological inheritance that our fucking ancestors fought off bears and tigers with rocks and sticks, and we don't think we're capable? What happened? Where did that message go weird? Convenience leads us to believe, <laughs> our, our pursuit of convenience leads us to believe that like, I'm feeling old today. Right? That's what happens. It's like suddenly like, okay, so maybe you need to sleep a little more, likely, Right. I also have to give props and this. I know women get hit a lot harder sometimes than men with it, but I'm in the age where, you know, I'm dealing with thyroid shit. So my hormonal levels are fucked. So I can feel sure. that effect. That's undeniable. So when women start hitting menopause or going through their cycle, that's undeniably going to have an impact for dudes. When your testosterone starts to uh, drop, you know, uh, that's going to undou undoubtedly have an impact. Right. So those are realities of aging that, you know, that's a fact. And generally speaking, recovery time is a thing, right? But I also think, like, what if we actually allowed ourselves all that recovery time when we were younger? Like, <laughs> would there be this right? Because, you know, we, you know, we took advantage of our youth as opposed to thinking long-term, you know, and, and, you know, how we all banged ourselves up doing one thing or another, you know, uh, when we were younger, and now we're feeling that. So, 
it's a really weird thing where I look at aging and, you know, I'm, I'm, this hormone thing, I'm like oddly, I'm super annoyed by it and frustrated by it on one point, but I'm also super grateful for it because it's given me this perspective. Like we're all going to have to deal with something as we age and injuries are yeah. almost as long as they're, they're uh, you know, repairable are almost on the low end of that. Sure. The longer term. High nutrition. Yeah, you know, the longer term stuff is, is the hard part. The habits, you know, and finding it, you know, really finding play in it. And, and that's what it comes down to. So, like, I'll be honest, like, you know, now that I'm getting back into the kettlebell juggling, it, it, it's, I mean, I'm not going to do a workshop on it, but, but, but it's like, you know, I, I feel fucking great because I right? know <laughs> my body and my brain. From an original strength perspective, you know, contralateral, crossing midline, vestibular system through the roof, my conditioning, my sure. through the roof. But more importantly, like, I can fucking do stuff and, like, I can flip bells behind my back a little bit and catch them and, like, <laughs> I can work on my timing. Because, you know, what happens when old people, you know, when they start shuffling? Hankin will describe, you know, old people start shuffling not because they've lost the mobility. It's because they've lost the fear of stability. Like, their body's starting to minimize movement yeah. because, like, they don't want to fall. So they take smaller it's steps. Closer to the ground. Smaller steps. You know, when, old, when, when people that are like, you know, start to get older and are like, you know, well, my shoulder hurts, so I don't do this. Well, what movement are you going to cut out of your existence when something else hurts before you start training to address right. that? And I don't mean going just to your doctor or just to a traditional physical therapist. Like, when are you actually going to, like, I hate to say it, fork up the money to find someone that knows what the fuck they're doing so you can actually address the situation as opposed to living with a thing. Now, some of us have legitimate long-term injury stuff but most of us just accept it like oh, i got this bad back well really let's like dive into that let's find out why you have a bad back how many muscles are in the human body more than four there's like 162 i think right if uh, you had 162 rooms in your house they discovered two new ones that are supposed to be something right if you had 162 rooms in your house and you move in and you fill them all with furniture and you use them all. How many fucking rooms are you going to seal off before you decide you need to do something about that house? Yeah. <laughs> like how many doors could you not get to open before you decide to call a fucking somebody to come over and do something? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. But we allow ourselves to do that. And, and it's, if there's anything yeah. that I hope... I guess there's a way brick like, off. Well, we don't even it's not that we just close doors. We brick off the door. Yeah, like we literally say goodbye to that house. It's almost like, you know, like uh, yeah. like, like there's skeletons in the closet buried, but like it might be <laughs> and the, the sad thing is is there might be gold in each and every sealed room, right? That's sure. the thing. There might be like, oh, my Godzilla collection that I loved is in that room. The mini ramp that I loved is in the room. The golf totally. are in this other room. Yet I've deemed because I'm allowing my, my foundation, my house to fall apart, that those rooms are sealed off because they're not safe for me anymore. The ability to pick your child up and carry it. God damn, I'm getting fired up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the whole die mighty thing, right? So like, you know. Yeah, the, the, man, that's why I fucking love it. It's, the, the, the it's not giving up. Oh, it's not quitting. The foundation of Die Mighty, folks, if I haven't said this enough, is this. Uh, I don't really care how heavy your deadlift is. Strength fascinates me and impresses me. Like, I love seeing heavy shit. Trainers, uh, it's great if you're strong, but I actually want to it, – it, it, it impresses me more when you coach and cue and program better. I'm not going to lie. I don't really care how heavy your bent press is. I fucking want to see you coach people to have solid movements and stuff like that. I don't mean bowel movements. You know what I'm talking about. 
But yeah. like literally yeah. my goal is not your deadlift, not your press, not your get up. My get my my goal is that you're 91 with your great grandkids at Disneyland, not needing a scooter. Because Damn we can right. talk about ego, we can talk about aesthetics, but at some point your no bags, wants to no fuck cares. you anyway. You gotta be moving. Because if you go to no bags, no chairs. Yeah. If you go to assisted living, you'll see how many people are stuck in chairs. You'll it's see, terrifying. And, and, and you're impressed by the few, and they are fewer in percentage to those that are stuck. You want to be the people moving around. You don't want to lose yeah. that. You know what? They also tend to be sharper still. Because right? with all that hand-eye stuff, your cognitive thinking, it, it, it all, it's all together, folks. So anyway, that's where, that's where the Die Mighty mission statement came from. And, and it says, that's like, I'm going to be honest, too. It's because I allowed my ego when I started lifting and chasing heavy weights, you know, even the pistol squat and the press that I mentioned, because I got caught up in it. And then I realized I started hitting 40s that like, you know, what's, what's really important? You know, and, and that's just not it. It's impressive and it's fun and it's a challenge. But man, being able to touch my toes is more, <laughs> you know? Quite frankly, being able to wipe your own ass, right? Is I've, seen, I've seen more people break into tears over shit like touching their toes than pulling 400 from the floor. Yeah. You yeah. know? I, legit, I've had more people, like, comment that the quality of their life outside of what they did in the gym was improved, and that's why they appreciated the things that we did in the gym. And, that, uh, you know, I just... I, while we were talking, I get a text. I saw it come up on my screen from one of my clients that says, basically, she's been maintaining her weight even though she hasn't been able to come to the gym because life has gotten in the way. So she's following the strategy that she found works for her, and she's got stuff to do at home, and she knows it's okay. Yeah. She knows that's not failure. That makes me happy. When she calls me and says, I picked up my daughter today and it didn't tire me out. I'm like, holy shit, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's what I want to hear. Right? It's the carryover too, right? So like somebody gets like, you know, double body weight deadlift, but then for whatever reason, they have to stop training with you. You know, their strength will fade, but the quality of the movement of how to hinge yes. is going to linger. And that's yes. the important part, right? The movement quality underneath it, like, so that they can go... Yeah things they can move and have better coordination <laughs> posture oh man we just we just had a sermon james i'm so uh, no man i get i i respect i i this is one of the things uh there was a thread running around on reference social media but it was basically uh focused around the idea that um that our industry is broken and it is it's fucking broken but it's not broken in the way, I think, in the way that most people think of it. I think it's broken in that coaches think that the only thing they need to do is keep the revenue flowing and help people. And clients think that the only thing they need to do is get stronger and look sexy naked and, like, be a ninja warrior, right? But... And that's all true. Those are all true things. <laughs> I need to make more money. You need to make yeah. more money. I need my clients to improve. So do you. I totally want my fucking clients to be ninja warriors. Absolutely. If I could make that happen, I would. You know, if I could facilitate that in some way and they were interested in it, I would push that. But they're not, and I don't. 
what I'm, what I'm more concerned with is later in life, when this person has not seen me, as you say, for a long time, are they going to still be capable of the things that I taught them how to do? Are they going to be able to carry that forward? So did I give them an education or did I give them a, a fast food meal, right? Did I give them longevity or did I give them a, a, a little push forward towards the cliff? Yeah. Like, and I think it's irresponsible, right? But I think that the change that's happened is there are people in our industry that are focused on this thing. A lot of us are talking about it. We're talking right now. I'll be honest. Anybody listening to this podcast, as as small as my listenership is, I love you guys. (laughs) Spread the word. Um, (laughs) It's it's weird. You know, it it, it is, uh, you know, we are within that peer group. You know, like we we are within this new movement. Because I think, you know, uh, uh, with what's broken... I'll say this. I think we're on the best track we have ever been. I think there is a bigger expanding base of educated, progressive coaching that are really starting to be able to like see through the gimmicks, find the things that work, see a big picture instead of implement. Right. So, you know, again, like, you know, and yeah, emotional, cognitive, behavioral, yes, like all the way across the board. Right. Yeah, and, and yeah, no, you're spot on, man. With that, co- you know, with that behavior stuff, I think that does become where we are helping to educate the people, so that they they learn to know the whys of what's working or the why what might not be working for them, right? Um, I know, you know, I have a foundations class where it's five stations, sorry, six stations, and each one's like, you know, uh, if I if I name it a deadlift, bird, dog, goblet, squat, you know, whatever, but it's actually sure. like it's hinge, reset, squat. So that like if they've learned to do sure. a swing, a snatch, a clean, deadlift, they can pick that in the hinge station, right? Like I want them to know that these yeah. things are same but different. Absolutely. They all make sense. It's that same thing if we go back to that staggered stance, sprinter stance, swing thing. Like, guys, like it's 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 a still a hinge, yeah. an explosive thing. It's just your your foot position changed, just like right. you would change your arm position of the arc to go to a snatch or a clean. How is that any less safe? Than, than, than literally going overhead with your arm or something, right? So, and it's not like athleticism takes place in a staggered stance ever. I know. Plus, like, how many clients do you know love how cleans feel when they're starting to learn cleans on their forearms versus just offsetting their foot to get a different? Right. Right? <laughs> anyway, not to go on that, but I, so I think there's that. Now, on the downside of that, and, and you know, I, I made a social media post about this yesterday. I think. Within this education thing, we're doing a really good job of trying to educate each other as, as trainers, you know, different and I, because, you know, we actually lead certifications um, and, and workshops. So that is a different thing. Like I, a part of my demographic, part of my revenue stream, part of my goal, die mighty mission statement is like, I can help more people if I can show you something that you can show your people. Like this is right. me. I believe in it. Let's, let's spread this out. Right. Yeah. And, but I think too many of the times like these, these videos were getting caught up and like, we're just, we're just selling to each other where it's like, we, we already kind of know how to deadlift. Like we already, we already have a pretty good goblet squat versus targeting that towards a gen pop person. And I just don't think a lot sure. of us are thinking that way. Like who is my avatar? The downside yes. of this too is, is, you know, we have these, 
fitness experiences that are based on a kid. <laughs> really you know, uh, I, I don't want to like, you know, that's a great I, way to put it. That's a great way to put I, it. I, I provide a fitness experience, but the programming is sound, right? Like sure. I want to, I want people to want to come and train with me, but I also know I'm providing a very educated, makes sense, honest strength program. Whereas, you know, versus like, you know, you're not going to come to my class and get longer. <laughs> I'm not going to sell that. Right. You. You're not going to get longer. Um, you know, or, or, you know, like, uh, I've never gone to orange theory, but I have not heard many great things about it. And come as on, a, hanging out under, isn't that, am I wrong? Or is that where they just hang out under infrared lights and work out? Oh, I don't think that's that. I think that's the one where they're on heart rate monitors and it's like five pound dumbbell galore and then like rower or bike galore. I might be wrong. If you're an Iron Steer instructor, I still, you know, I love you. Don't hate me. Um, but I think we all know and would agree that people could do better by lifting actual weights uh, if applicable to the person or working on more individual, mo you know, mobility or whatever. And you can do that in a class. Like I've had people, you know, that, you know, I, I deal with a lot of trainers and they'll be like, yeah, my, you know, my boss is, you know, they want to do this type of a class and they're putting me in these confines of this. And you're like, well, that's not really going to be safe or beneficial for probably like 70% of your population coming in. But they sure. decided that that's their system. So they're just going to lock it in and fuck it because it's going to be profitable. And that's the problem. It's low threat. It's really low threat. So, you know, there's, there's, there's that. And it's finding that middle line, right? And then there's the, 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 the big problem is, is we all want to be like, well, fuck those guys. Why am I not doing better? And I'm like, you know what? Let them have all that money. You just be the best you you could be, and people will come to train with you. I say let people settle for the level of mediocrity that they're willing to settle for. Yeah, I agree. You you know? if, if your version of Samba is to take a Zumba class, cool. If you actually take a Samba class, even better. And and as right. long as you're but I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. A doing a thing and not getting hurt, that is the goal. Yeah. But I don't and put myself on a comparison. Like, I'm not comparing myself to an orange thing. <laughs> CrossFit. <laughs> you know, like, I do what I do. Yeah. And I think too many I'm times. Super CrossFit. <laughs> we're, 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 you know, we're comparing ourselves to these things that have no relevance to compare ourselves to. Other than well, it's the quote unquote fitness, right? Like, that's the, the umbrella yeah. term of fitness. And it, honestly, going back to what we were talking about a little bit with the neuro stuff, like somebody does benefit from that, but not everybody. Mm -hmm. there, there was a study done in, I think, Denmark. I should probably know what the study is so I can reference it. But the gist was they, they tested a bunch of people with an exercise program. Some got better. Some had no change. Some got worse. The people who had no change or got worse, their decision, their uh, their their interpretation of the data was that those people were resistant to exercise. Interesting. Does that, does that seem like a reasonable uh, extrapolation from that? Just the brief discussion <laughs> description that I gave, <laughs> like I put you on a 20 rep squat program for two weeks and you get worse or no change. And I'm like, man, you're just not good for ex exercise is bad for you. Maybe it's not that. Wait a minute. <laughs> 20 squats. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't the person. Maybe the exercise routine you gave the person wasn't appropriate for that person. And, yeah. you know, and this kind of feeds into what the Indian clubs do. I think the Indian clubs fill this gap in building our connective tissue and building good neurological patterns 
building uh, really clean, pain-free movement maps so that my brain's super confident in anything I ask it to do with a one or two pound weight in my hand. I fully and agree it, with that. It, physics, we talked about physics at the clinic we met at, where mm -hmm. it was 10 pounds per inch on the lever arm at the moment of angle. Yeah. So, like, you know, my arm's 28 inches long. I put a one pound weight at the end of it. That's 280 pounds of shear force at the glenohumeral joint at that moment of angle. As soon as it changes, the weight goes away and it changes. But look, that rep counted. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'll, I'll say, look, I have to ask you a question. This is going to be only the second person I've asked this. Can you get back on next week? I, I have to go to a meeting very soon. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to do a two-parter. Only you and Iron Tamer, the first, he was the first two-parter. You're going to be the second one because we have not even funny. the surface because we're getting into Indian clubs way later than I expected. And I, I got to right. go. So I pop no, man, it's, it's, it's awesome. Folks, like, I, I do want to say this. Tune in for the next one because, you know, Ben Marvin talked a lot about the mace training. And I, James and I met actually at um, an Indian Billy, club. Yeah. Workshop. It was, the, yeah. it was after the CICS, though, right? That had folded. This was yeah, like the, yeah, yeah. the first one with, with Phil, Brett, and, and Dr. Thomas. And yes. I'm going to just flat out say this. Aside from Dr. Thomas, James is the most gifted and fluid person ah, I have dude. ever seen. With, dude, that's true. I mean, you know, I'm going to be, I'll be honest. Like, I think I'm pretty good at what I've learned through the CICS and investing in that minus movement number six, which I will forever struggle. <laughs> but James is just like the whiz on it. And one of the reasons why I wanted to have James on this show is other than we haven't actually, this is the most we've actually talked probably in our lives, but James is a really interesting rad dude. I hope you got that from this podcast. I'm fired up, which is, I'm, I'm glad I appreciate that, that man. I'm back on, but he's actually the lead instructor at, through the flexible steel Indian club specialist certification. Is that the, proper uh, flexible steel international Indian club specialty certification. Yes. yes. And he's going to be in New York this weekend. Well, it'll be passed. Uh, and I'm hoping yeah. we'll be able to meet up for a cup of coffee or a drink during this. I'm but, so uh, excited to go to five points, man. I, I really wanted to uh, following up with Ben and the mace, which I don't know much about, but I've, I've ordered one, but to see where Fine. this idea of circular strength training and club training also goes from a restoration standpoint um, that is more where I use it. So we have to pick that up amongst other stuff. I want to talk to you about your favorite Kung Fu movies and shit, but <laughs> so I apologize to have to cut this one Stop, off. Man. Glad to have you back on James real quickly. Can you tell the listeners to die mighty? Die mighty brothers and <laughs> sisters. And die as mighty as you can. Don't <laughs> fucking quit. Just keep trying. And then tell There's them where no they failure. Tell them where they can find out, find, find more about you or about your certifications. Uh, you can check me out five, the number five rings, R I N G S systems, uh, LLC. Just Google that up. You'll find me. Uh, if you want to train with me, I'm in Tacoma, Washington. Uh, other than that, just find me on the internet. Dude, I'm pretty reasonable. <laughs> you're more than reasonable, dude. Thank you so much Glad for coming be, yeah. on. This was, this dude, was, thank you for having me, man. This, this is an awesome so great, conversation. So great to chat, and I'm very excited. Uh, we'll schedule the second one up. But uh, that is all for today, because I actually have to go to a business meeting with uh, <laughs> the, the design company I'm working with called Henchman. So uh, later, brother. The Coach Fury Podcast is created, owned, and produced by Steve Coach Fury Holliner for Fury Industries, LLC. 
Music provided by the FTW. Visit the FTW.nyc for band, music, tour, and merch information. Artwork provided by Glenn Urieta. Visit glennurieta.com. That's G-L-E-N-N-U-R-I-E-T-A. Or visit him on Instagram at Glenn Urieta. Thanks, everybody. 